2: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of and audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and
0: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio.
3: I'm in Nashville, but they haven't shut us down. So fortunately for you, we're with you for the next three hours. My name happens to be Jason Martin. The name on the door as you walk in, it's mine. It's the Jason Martin Show. It's Fox Sports Radio. I'm on Twitter at Radio. I am in the epicenter of the NFL's doomsday scenario, Nashville, Tennessee. We're 16 Tennessee Titans players and personnel have tested positive for COVID-19, which means there's not going to be a game today against the Pittsburgh Steelers, scheduled until October 25th, and now we're starting to look at the Buffalo game a week from today and saying, I'm not so sure that one's going to happen either. But I have a lot to say about this as I've been covering it all week long, and it does not seem to be going away, and I'm still not sure the list is even done here. I'm on Twitter at Radio. Like I said, the crew is Eric Roberts, Chris Perfett and Brian Finley. will bring all of them in maybe sooner uh, today than we have. Well, you know what? Last week we were talking a whole lot about nostalgia and stuff. So um, certainly there is more stuff happening right now. There's a fullback in New Orleans who's tested positive. That's going to result in retesting Saints. They're set to play the Lions today as of right now. We know the Cam Newton story with New England. Right now they're expecting and hoping to play that game on Monday, but there is a Practice squad scout team quarterback with the Chiefs, Jordan Tamu, former Ole Miss quarterback. I think he was in the XFL as well. Um, He also, and weirdly enough, he's been playing Cam Newton this week in practice uh, for the Kansas City defense, which is hilarious. But I kind of want to start here because we knew this was going to happen. The question was just when it happens, how bad is it going to be, and what's the response going to be? The NBA bubble has been nothing if not remarkable in terms of being able to get through and deal with everything and not pop any real positive tests. And it's because I would say most likely because of the environment, it was going to go one way or the other. It was either going to be great in the bubble or it was going to be disastrous because if it got loose in the bubble, you know, Katie bar the door, we've got trouble. Baseball had its outbreaks. In Miami, I think Washington was one, the Mets, the Cardinals, and they tried to work around it accordingly, shutting down series, um, games that had to try to be made up in a truncated way, but it looks like they're going to get through their season. They're in the postseason right now, and this week was a great week for baseball because I think a lot of us actually paid attention to what felt like an NCAA March Madness style, just... It was so fast-paced, and it was so everywhere, and these series were short, and it made it a lot of fun. As a Braves fan, it was definitely fun for me to watch us win a postseason series, but in the NFL, right here in Nashville, when this whole thing started, the question was, well, how long is the trickle going to continue, and is it going to grow to be a leak? And I think at this point when you have 16 and every day there's one guy or there's two guys or there's three guys or whatever, and then it starts to affect bigger and bigger talent. Initially, it was a long snapper, which is an important position because it's part of a routine that you get used to. And this guy, Bo Brinkley, had been doing it so well for so long, you never even heard his name. So that was concerning. Daquan Jones on the defensive line who was an improving player that was getting better and was certainly showing up a little bit early in this season and it was a practice squad tight end and then it was rookie cornerback Christian Fulton out of LSU who had been playing a lot because of other injuries on the team and it just kept on going we had a couple of a couple of linebackers and then it was Adam Humphries who's the slot receiver and it was Cameron Batson, who's a practice squad wide receiver, but he's actually played this year. Made a, a couple of grabs already for Ryan Tannehill for the 3-0 Titans. And then today, or I guess yesterday, it was Big Jeff, as he's called here affectionately. Jeffrey Simmons, last year's number one pick. This year's number one pick, Isaiah Wilson's been on the COVID list since September. But Jeffrey Simmons, pro football focus, had listed as one of the top three defensive players last week at his position. And he's been a terror. He looks like one of the great defensive players this franchise has ever had when you look at where he's trending. The Steelers game, they're going to try to play it on Monday or Tuesday. Then it became untenable. Okay, we're going to move it to the 25th. We're going to take advantage of these bye weeks and move around what we have to move around but we have to find a way to get this game in. If I was a betting man, I would say we're still not done with positive tests with the Titans. It just, I don't know why it necessarily would end right now. The problem for Simmons is, if Simmons has any symptoms at all, his positive test coming up on Saturday, because of protocols, it makes it almost impossible to believe he can play against Buffalo. Maybe some of the other guys could, but if it continues to go this way, it's going to affect this Buffalo game a week from now. But now you've got an even higher profile guy, the New England Patriots starting quarterback Cam Newton. And the laziest take that I saw, and I saw it from a lot of different places this week, was the Titans should have to forfeit because the Titans did everything wrong. They screwed up. It shouldn't cost the Steelers a bye week, all of this kind of thing. This is lazy and stupid, folks. Because if you're one of the people that's propagated this, show your work. Where exactly did you get your information from? No one knows anything. Yes, they're contact tracing. That's how we're able to find out some of the things we are. We knew from those original three players that there were 48 potential persons that had come into contact based on the technology that felt like they were at higher risk. But if you listen to the positions, there's nothing that really stands out. Yeah, I guess there's two wide receivers now when you add Humphreys to Batson. And there's two linebackers as well. But it's kind of all over the map. There's not like a common thread necessarily. I think a lot of those guys in some manner played special teams. But the reality of COVID-19 is it's non-discerning. There are two institutions in the United States that you feel like are more protected than just about any other class. Politicians and professional football players. And COVID-19 strikes the NFL and it strikes 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. As we speak, President Trump and Walter Reed, he and his wife, Hope Hicks, in the press office, And I think another couple of officials, any administration, test positive. And then the NFL. You're not going to find better medical care for two organizations than the two that I just named. You've got people wearing masks. You've got six feet. You've got all these protocols. You're still getting it. It doesn't matter if you make $20 million. if If it's a virus, it's going to roll through, which is why I still think the way this has played out here tells me more is coming. And it makes me wonder how the NFL can be so happy right now and feel like, oh, we can definitely play Chiefs-Patriots on Monday because everyone tested, did, everyone tested came up fine today. When you're looking at the Titans being tested day after day after day this week and more tests coming each day because of the incubation period which can be anywhere from 5 to 14 days. You hear 5 to 7, but really it's 5 to about 14 days. So I don't imagine you're out of the woods yet. I hope they're right. I mean, I hope everybody continues to test negative, but it can take time for symptoms to show up and not everybody because, again, everybody was being tested, but not all of these people popped on the same day. So I don't know that we're out of the woods yet. Just because Cam's the only guy so far... That doesn't mean Cam's the only guy. And the situation with the Saints is the same. They could all test fine today. And then what? You've got somebody on that team and they have, okay, we've identified Kamara and some other guys that have been into contact. So we need to make sure that we test them. Okay, so you test them. They test negative. They don't show up anything right now. They're asymptomatic. They go out there and they play against the Lions. And then what? You've got two teams now again? That's the thing. Is that just because you test okay today doesn't mean you're not carrying the thing. There's a lot here. But I think the more you watch this, the more you think wow, it's a miracle that three weeks in the NFL season was completed before the Titans situation broke once they got back from Minnesota. Although you find out linebackers coach and defensive play caller Shane Bowen uh, tested positive the day before the Vikings game did not travel with the team and there has been questions and speculation here amongst a lot of us in the media about maybe you shouldn't travel to Minnesota when that happens you shut it down and maybe it's the Vikings game that should have been in jeopardy as opposed to traveling there I'm still blown away and quite simply baffled that the Vikings haven't haven't had anybody pop yet. And I think that's fantastic. I hope that continues. But it is weird to me that the NFL, oh, we can definitely play Monday as long as everybody tests positive on Sunday. I mean, based on what that we've seen this week, does that make sense? I hope that no one else does test positive. But what it seems like with the Titans is this thing's going through the locker room. This thing, maybe everybody's been exposed. That's speculative. But a lot of people clearly have. You talk about two airplane flights, buses to and from, all of these different scenarios where they've been in contact with one another. And if it's rolling through, it's just rolling through. And there's some people that won't and some people that will, but it's highly contagious. We know this. Increasingly, we know it's airborne. And we know that a lot of these mitigation procedures are just quite simply bunk. They're not going to fully protect you from this thing. So what does the NFL do? Because, folks, the NFL may have made one crucial error in how it approached this from the beginning before the season started in the planning phases so that it would affect things less and would create a buffer zone if you had some kind of rash of Positive test that would blow up that could derail a season or force a lot of changes or bye week moves or things of that nature. They did not put this contingency into effect. And now we're seeing the Steelers giving up a bye week, the Titans giving up a bye week early and having to move a couple of games around in week seven and week eight to make this thing work right now. If you affect the Buffalo game, then what do you do if you're Tennessee? How does that work out? If you have two games that you have to make up the one, okay, got it. We move it to this spot right here, where your original bye week would have been. Okay, we'll do this, then you play next week, and then we roll right along. But if you miss a second game, the Buffalo game, and we don't know that for sure yet, but I feel like we might be trending in that direction, then what happens? I'm going to tell you the contingency they missed, and also what might be on the table to fix all of this, Should it continue to grow? Because there is something out there. And the reason I know it is because I asked NFLPA executive director Demora Smith that very question on my morning radio show in Nashville on Friday. And his response to it was definitely telling. So I'm going to let you in on that when we come back. But before that, I do want to tell you Where they could have created some kind of buffer, but for whatever reason didn't. And now it looks like it might bite them. It's possible, folks, that during the course of the Jason Martin Show this morning, we're going to find out about the Saints and Lions game. Because there's a mad mad rush, there's a scramble to try and fix all of this. This is quite a story. It has been an unreal week here in this city just trying to keep tabs on this and follow how the Titans organization is responding to it, which by the way, I think they've done a fantastic job of and dealing with some of the negative critique from people that are just like, tisk tisk tisk. How could you let this happen? Like there's a way to protect yourself from a virus. And probably a lot of people that are wagging their fingers at the Tennessee Titans have probably had the flu in their life and it wasn't their fault either. If we find out a lot more information, sure, okay, we go after them then, but we don't have enough information to do that. But that doesn't stop Twitter. If you were on Twitter yesterday, I weep for you. I got off pretty early because I knew that was not going to be a good place to be. Today is a little bit better. Friday was bad. Yesterday increasingly got better because we started talking about college football And today, hopefully, the NFL will take over. But how many games are we not going to have? That becomes a question. Next, I'll tell you what it is that the NFL missed where they might have gotten this thing wrong from the start that could have helped them. Jason Martin Show, we are coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. I want to tell you 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate. Quote, what did the NFL miss? The answer in five minutes on Fox Sports Radio.
2: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip.
3: This one's just too easy for a man of my talent. So well, I'm not even. Yeah.
4: I, I I just realized it's been over a year now since I've been doing your show, and we have never played Smells Like Teen Spirit on here. So I I'm, not, I'm not opposed.
3: That. I'm not opposed. Yeah, to fix that. I, it's no problem. It's all good. Nirvana smells like Teen Spirit. We're hoping it's not smelling like COVID 19 with the Saints and Lions. We already know there's problems with the Chiefs and Patriots. That game not going to happen on Sunday. Titan Steelers has been off for a few days. This is the Jason Martin Show live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. I'm on Twitter at radio. So here's what the NFL missed. This is what I teased right before the break. The NFL missed a gutter, an alley, somewhere to catch the runoff of COVID-19 for these teams. They make their own schedule. There is a complex process that goes into putting the NFL schedule together. But they did not create an empty week at some point late in the season where whatever sludge collects on your roof falls into this thing and then harmlessly slides down the gutters and out. You could have created a spot where the Titans-Steelers could have played where if you needed to continue to move Chiefs-Patriots, they could have played without affecting bye weeks or anything else. It would have created an empty week in the schedule. Is that perfect? No. But is anything perfect in 2020? Is anything the way it should be in 2020? Does anything feel perfectly right when you're watching SEC football games with 20,000 people in the seats and piped in crowd noise over the top of it? Does anything feel normal in 2020 when Adam Gase still has a job? When Dan Quinn still has a job? Does any of that feel normal? You create the empty week as an insurance policy to protect the sanctity of your schedule and the integrity of your schedule. Because now, of course, you have Steelers fans that are angry because their team's playing 13 straight weeks following the bye. Of course, that could be optimistic because you never know what happens to them as they continue to move through the season. But not playing now they have to give up their bye week earlier and then go longer to get through the slog of the season. How much more of this are we going to see? The Titans were the first. They weren't going to be the last and it took all of three or four days before another team had a positive test. In that case, the Patriots and Cam Newton and the Chiefs with Tamu. And now the fullback for the Saints. Are they isolated or are they going to be more fallout from this. We're going to find out. But if you had that empty week, you would have created a buffer zone. You would have created an aw shucks spot. But you don't have that now. So what's the answer? Well, for the Titans-Steelers, it's moving to Week 7 and Week 8, rotating things around. Those were the buys for those two teams they no longer are. But the Steelers really don't get a buy because they were preparing to play a game until Thursday, when they found out, okay, now this thing's definitely not going to happen. And Tomlin said the right thing. He said, we don't care. But his players were on Twitter caring. And I understand it. I get it. This year is going to be really weird for a number of reasons. So it's odd to me that the NFL, as buttoned up as they were in terms of getting the season started and as well as they handled the decision-making process, And got this thing off without a hitch. That they didn't have that in their back pocket. So what happens for the Titans particularly? If they have to miss two games. If Buffalo can't be played either. Because we don't know right now. But we know the list keeps growing. And if I had to bet money. I would bet there's still going to be a couple of more names added on Sunday or Monday. And then who knows? But if you move the second game, then what? Well, there's the Week 18 scenario. That is, end of the season, we're going to throw some games there. But that would force a choice to move back the start of the playoffs to give time before you get to that point. And then that would necessitate moving back the Super Bowl. Do you think that happens? Well, I told you I had on Executive Director DeMora Smith of the NFLPA on Friday on the show I host here in Nashville with Ramon Foster. And I asked him that question. He said everything is on the table, including that. The schedule is always subject to change, always subject to be moving. Every, every game, every week can be moved via the NFL. But how do you move a Super Bowl? Well, this year's kind of interesting. because the likelihood is the seats are not full, right? I mean, maybe, but I have my doubts with people coming in from other countries, and I just don't think we're going to be fully cleaned up of this by the time the Super Bowl comes around. It's going to be in Tampa. Who knows if there's going to be media, Radio Row, the usual stuff like that. There there are going to be some changes, one would assume. But can you move it there? Well, the NFL holds Tampa for a month. So if they already have possession of that building for four weeks or for three or four weeks, then you could move it a week or two if you needed to, thereby creating that empty week at the very end of the season or backing up the start of the postseason to facilitate whatever we're going to see as we continue to move throughout this year. So that is out there. It is doable, more doable than you might think, and most doable of all because This year of all years, with stadiums that aren't full, it's not going to be adjusting quite as many people's schedules and maybe nowhere near as many as a regular schedule is going to be. We don't know what the protocols are going to look like by the time we get to the Super Bowl, but we know that it's probably going to look a little bit different. But the mistake that the NFL made, though, is just not creating a spot somewhere in the middle of December or maybe even late November, where there's no football because you may need that spot to move some of these games that aren't being played. Then you don't have to affect the bye weeks. If you get to the spot where you need more than one of these weeks, then you have a giant problem. And that probably means that you have a change. Pro football talk, I think, is saying maybe there's a possibility that this league's going to try to get a hold on things maybe put the kibosh on season for a little while and then come back with a, with a shorter schedule. I have no idea whether or not that's going to happen, but that was updated by Florio just a little while ago. This is from that article. All teams have played three games. At least two teams won't play at all in Week 4. Four more may not play in Week 4. So what should the NFL do? A hard bubble with all 32 teams and hotels is becoming a given at this point if the NFLPA will agree to it. Multiple coaches have suggested to PFT the possibility of reconfiguring the schedule to consist of 12 total games. As one coach mapped it out, teams would play their division rivals only once and one of their interconference games would be scrapped. With the normal six games in the division cut to three... He says league also should consider using a 16-team playoff field that takes the best eight from each conference without regard to division standings, which goes back to 82, a nine-game season shortened due to strike. We don't know how bad and how pervasive this is going to be, but I can tell you that the NFL saw this coming. They knew it eventually would. If they didn't, then they're completely naive, as is anybody out there listening to me who didn't think this was going to strike the NFL. I mean, college football games getting canceled. It's a lot of people traveling still. They're trying to play things as regular as they can, and they're doing all that they can, but like in the wake of what happened with the Titans, what you find out? Enhanced protocols, now we're going to test you twice. Point of care is going to be the second test. That's the more rapid test after the nasal swab test. So now you're taking two tests a day. You could take 20 tests a day. I still don't think that you can fully control this thing. Ladies and gentlemen, if the president of the United States, the first lady, and other people in the administration can catch this thing within six weeks of the presidential election, anybody can get this thing. You might talk about, oh, he doesn't take masks seriously or whatever. I'll bet you he does in private, and he's got the best medical care around him anywhere in the world. And he's sitting in Walter Reed right now. This is a virus. And now you have the problem of the usual seasonal flu, deciding that it's around time to roll in as well. So you got all sorts of potential concerns here. The hard bubble idea for NFL teams, I would say you can't do it, but you can do it because the NBA proved it. Was it fun for him? I don't think so based on some of the things we hear when people get out of there. But if it's your job and they believe that that's the only way to do it safely, then you try to do that. NFLPA, that's not a question that we asked to Morris Smith yesterday. But they have a number of different things that they're looking at. The league's trying to figure out how this happened in Tennessee. Increasingly, it looks like a tight end that was brought in for a workout to join the practice squad is patient zero, which is kind of amazing in its own right. But this is going to probably hit your team at some point. I'm waiting for this to hit the SEC during the season, and what does that do? How does that, What if it happens in the Pac-12, where they're already playing seven games or whatever it is if it happens in the big 10 where they're playing less games it becomes even harder to try and select who gets into the college football playoff when there might be a conference playing half a dozen games this is a mess folks if there was a definition of 2020 it would just be yeah it's a mess uh what do you think about politics mess we think about social mess we think about the movie mess the music a mess Sports mess, I mean, they're, they're coming back, but but what are we seeing now? I'm not going all doom and gloom, but I've been at the epicenter of this all week. And I've seen the reaction. Give no quarter to those people that are out here whining and saying that the Titans should be penalized. Until we know more, they absolutely should not. And if you know enough to put that take out there on social media, then own it. The problem with social media is you don't have to own anything. Well, until your soon-to-be employer finds it and decides not to hire you or fires you for saying really unconscionable things or whatever it is, you need to take it seriously. But people do see it, at least in your sphere. I'll tell you one thing that I did see this week that I thought was amazing. Dan Graziano of ESPN, who does a really good job, I like his work a lot, retweeted a guy that was burying the Titans and talking about how they should lose a draft pick, forfeit the game, um, be subject to fines, and all of this stuff. And it it was an ignorant take based on no evidence. So Graziano retweets and says, this is exactly the thinking that we don't want. This is amazing. It's a virus, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. So I'm just like, okay, so you retweeted this guy. Let me just go take a look at him real quick. My man had 95 followers. And Dan Graziano, who's well over 100,000, just gave that guy access to six figures worth of Twitter followers to try and make a point that he could have made without quote tweeting this dude. If people say dumb stuff, Stop quote tweeting it. I know I'm guilty of this too, but I'm starting to learn. Like, don't do that. Just comment and say, look, if you're seeing people saying this, it's dumb. Like, you can, if you want to reply, if you feel the need to put that out there, reply to the stupidity without actually publicizing the ignorance. Like, I don't need to see the quote tweet to know that a lot of people say stupid stuff of that nature so you can just kind of reference it in your own tweet as opposed to actually giving that guy oxygen that's the problem dude had 95 followers what are you doing Dan Graziano like I said I like your work a lot and I like your social media feed a lot but that just that was that wasn't even punching down that was just let me throw this out here no no not not particularly smart at all smart is going to Brian Finley for the latest to find out what's trending. B, I know you're excited because uh, Kentucky can't kick an extra point.
6: Oh, my gosh, Jason. I was watching that game, and, and Ole Miss actually showed that they have a defense, which they had been notoriously inept in that department for many years. And our quarterback, Matt Corral, who's from the Southern California area, showed some really nice pizzazz out there. And Elijah Moore, that wide receiver, He's got NFL written all over him.
3: So did you go to Ole Miss?
6: My sister did, and my dad did. And when I lived in Memphis working for a local TV station, I got to cover the football team when they were rolling – during the Hugh Freeze years. Okay,
3: all right. So where did you go to college?
6: UNC Greensboro All right, in, in North Carolina. All right. So I've, I've been in the South a while.
3: All right, that's like 25 minutes from where I grew up yeah, in Winston-Salem. That,
6: and I used to work in Winston-Salem for a, a local TV station out there, the WXII NBC Oh, yeah, Channel affiliate. 12. That's where I got my first job as a sports nice. producer writing copy, man. Wait. I, yeah
4: just to jump in yeah, do yeah, the yeah. three of us all have Piedmont Triad
3: yes, ties cuz i was say,
4: i was born in greensboro and i spent what? two years at wake forest so like we You all...
3: were born in greensboro? Yeah, i was. I never guessed yeah.
4: that. Yeah, my mom worked at High Point while she was pregnant with me. Wow. Wow.
3: My dad as an adult while he was working was going to High Point University as well so yeah there's major ties uh, wow. i was I, I would have probably <laughs> tried to go to wake except i wanted to get away from my parents because i was a fool and thought it'd be better to go two hours down the road to nc state but i mean i liked it there but i love north carolina man but i i would not have thought perfect especially you i did not know you were from greensboro i've,
4: I've jumped all over the country i i'm pretty well traveled
3: greensboro coliseum guys
4: Oh, that's the heartbed of the Greensboro
3: Coliseum, man, ACC tournament. Saw one of the great events live in my life in the 95 ACC final with Tim Duncan against North Carolina that went to overtime. Oh, man. All right, nice stuff. Let's talk Carolina for the next two and a half hours. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Guys, here we go. This is the news that's
6: been coming down on Saturday night. Saints fullback Michael Burton, after traveling with his team, on saturday two detroit reportedly tested positive for COVID 19. now this forces burton to retake the test to determine whether or not it's a false positive then teammates will also have their latest swabs rechecked and personnel who were around Burton recently will have to complete point of care testing at the team hotel meanwhile nfl network indicating the league is trying trying to play the saints patriots game on monday or tuesday on the condition, no one else on either team tests positive for coronavirus. The game date moved from Sunday after New England quarterback Cam Newton and a Kansas City practice squad quarterback both tested positive for COVID-19. Cowboys offensive lineman Lyle Collins is having season-ending surgery on Wednesday to relieve a hip issue. In college football, Iowa State vanquishes 18th-ranked Oklahoma, 37-30. That's back-to-back Big 12 losses for the Sooners, and afterwards, Lincoln Riley, head coach for Oklahoma, spoke about resuscitating this program out of this unfamiliar rough patch.
3: Obviously, our back's against the wall here as a football team. We know that. We understand that. We accept that. Our guys are hurt. Most of our guys in our room hadn't experienced you know, a start to a season like this, but it's still about how, how you respond, and I believe I know how this group will.
6: Did you know that right now Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies? That's on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Visit geico.com to learn more. And, Jason, did you see the final of Arkansas and Mississippi State? I actually
3: didn't. You need, Did Arkansas beat Mississippi State? They did. They oh, you've got to be kidding me.
6: A 20-game SEC losing streak did the Hogs and it's their first conference win since 2017. Right yeah, after they had lost
3: yeah, they lost twenty in a row. That's unreal.
6: Right after the Bulldogs went into Baton Rouge and beat LSU. You
3: remember what I said last week on this very program? If you didn't, shame on you, but I said don't overreact to anything that happens in college football this year because None of it makes any sense. Like, because of everything that's going on, yeah, I actually can buy that. I mean, Oklahoma's lost in back-to-back weeks, B. I I mean, look at this. Texas is—everybody—I just don't know what we're going to see at this point in time. So I'm not as—I would have been struck by that a lot more. Uh, but the air raid, one week, great. Next week, not as great, I guess. That's that's unbelievable. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It is easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Yeah, I was watching Georgia and Auburn, and when it got 17 to nothing, my head told me that game was over, so my wife and I needed her to watch uh, The Social Dilemma. On Netflix, which I had seen earlier in the week, so we watched that. Uh, so I, I did never even tuned over to the Arkansas-Mississippi State game. So good thing we went to Finley there for trending to find out what was the latest because uh, that's a pretty big deal. Not as big a deal as what's going on in the NFL with COVID. Um, a lot of testing going on, I think, maybe as we speak. The false positive thing is certainly what you hope to be the case didn't turn out to be that way in New England, Kansas City, and certainly not here in Nashville. But you hope maybe that's the case for the Saints because they've traveled, this guy traveled with the team, and what happens uh, being in close proximity on an airplane if social distancing was tough to pull off and all of this, you just never know. But Camaro was one of the guys that they have tabbed. I think it was like four or five that were close by that they feel like are bigger risks. I would bet you if that guy tests positive, and they realize it's not a false positive uh, certainly if there's another person that game's not going to be played. But I'll be very curious to see because I'm I will be stunned ladies and gentlemen if Cam's the only Patriots player to get this stunned like I know that game's supposed to be played with the Chiefs on Monday or Tuesday I'm not going to say I have my doubts but after what I've seen this week I, I, I increasingly kind of have my doubts it is the Jason Martin Show. It's Fox Sports Radio. I am at JMart Radio. This situation's fluid. We may even have news before we finish the show. Stick with us. lot to get to on the program. We will talk some college football, and we will talk about games that we think are actually going to be played in the NFL. And uh, I'll rip on Adam Gase because that's becoming a tradition as long as he's the head coach of the New York Jets. We'll do that pretty soon here on Fox Sports Radio.
2: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
5: Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hiya. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
3: Still too easy, but I like it so I'm not complaining. It's a tody's. <laughs> Little Possum Kingdom. Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio. Finishing up the first hour. We still got two more to go. Some of you tweeting. Some of you are on fire. MGM John's out here just trying to bury the SEC. Easy, buddy. Calm down. Make sure you're on your medication. I'm on Twitter at Radio. I'm just going to say this again real quickly before we get to the end of the hour. All these takes about how these teams are doing things wrong. I think even Jerry Jones was uh, coming out at the Titans' expense and all this kind of stuff. Like, if you thought that the Titans were going to be the only team, that's just foolish. Is there a sector of American society that has not gotten hit by COVID-19? Is there a sector of global society that hasn't been hit by COVID-19? That's just dumb. And if you feel the need to say that, then you better have evidence to back it up Or you fall right on into the trap that Twitter unfortunately propagates along with the rest of social media, and that is you don't have to be accountable for getting your facts wrong. And so many, even people with blue check marks on all sides of the aisle are all guilty at times of wanting to be so fast with the right response that they don't wait for things to actually play out. And that's a negative here. This Titans thing, what's the first take you should have when you find out that some of their guys have popped? Well, I hope they're healthy. Did you see that virtually anywhere? No. And then, of course, yeah, you look to, are the games going to be played and things of that nature? How do, how do we keep them safe or what's going on? Is everybody asymptomatic or some of them asymptomatic? But no, it's just like, oh, they screwed up. They have to lose a game. My fantasy team, all of this kind of stuff, all these amateur epidemiologists out there, that are burying the Titans, not knowing anything more than any of us do. And I would just urge you, and if you're listening to Fox Sports Radio, you probably aren't one of these people, but there's not, there's nothing to be gained by putting this out there. Yeah, you might get some likes or whatever like that. What does it matter? Just wait. Like, I mean, I promise you, if it comes out the Titans did something wrong and their protocols were... We're not followed properly and all this kind of stuff. If that's what the league finds out, yeah, I'll I'll be the first one to crush them, but we don't know that. And the way that they have responded since, they've definitely done all they can and their due diligence. And I have a hard time believing that they were skirting rules and protocols based on everything that you had heard during camp, pretty much everywhere in the league. This is just kind of a thing that's going to happen. We still know what's going to happen with this Saints game. If it's not a false positive, a lot of people say the game should be postponed anyway, just for the one guy, so that they can do further testing and make sure this thing does not spread any further, maybe to the Lions or to other teammates. There's a lot here, but slow down is my advice to you in your life, in everything, but slow down. You don't have to comment. Twitter is not mandatory. We're live in the Fox Sports Radio studios, brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. I'm Jason Martin. This happens to be my show, The Jason Martin Show, on Twitter, at Radio. Chris, Eric, Brian, that's the trifecta. They spin the dials radio style for me in Los Angeles. We'll bring them into the proceedings here momentarily shortly. You can also have your say on my say. 877-99 877 on Fox, that's nine nine six six three six nine. Glad to have you, whether you're joining us because you had to get up early or because you haven't gone to sleep yet. If so, more power to you. A lot of college football on Saturday. Oklahoma loses again this time to Iowa State at home for the first time in a long time for Iowa State. Nice win for them, especially considering how they looked a few weeks ago. OU's lost back-to-back games to Kansas State, and now Iowa State. Next up, they'll be losing to Nebraska State, Wyoming State, Colorado State. Ah, I was hoping to continue to come up with fictional ones, and then I came up with a real one. Strike one. Texas lost to TCU. They were living dangerously last week, came back, and won that game in overtime but TCU got them 33-31 to 31 after a fumble near the goal line. So the Big 12 has OU-Texas, the marquee game, next week. Six days away now. That's how the schedule sets up. You get Georgia-Auburn in the second week of the SEC season. You got that game, and the luster is a little bit off of that one. Is the Big 12 going to get a team into the college football playoff? You heard what I said last week. I'm going to say this again. Do not overreact and do not count anyone or anything out this season. Because why would you? What is normal here? What is expected here? You don't need to draw conclusions just yet. Are there going to be a whole lot of undefeated teams or are there going to be none? Alabama looked awfully good destroying Texas A&M on Saturday, but I don't know that Texas A&M is very good. The reason why is not because Alabama beat them 52-24, it's that Vanderbilt had a shot to beat them with five minutes left last week. Nothing should surprise you. Certainly not LSU struggling last week because that ain't the same team. That's not the defending national champions you're watching. It's not like watching the Kansas City Chiefs And what they did to the Baltimore Ravens on Monday and saying, well, how do you beat them? They're the defending champs and they look even better because they are better. The NFL is different than college football. Year to year, you can see a lot of changes. COVID, preparing for the NFL draft, and a truckload of guys that are already in the National Football League that we saw earlier this year playing in an LSU uniform. Is Georgia good? Well, for the first half against Arkansas last week, no. Is Arkansas better than we think? Maybe if they beat Mississippi State. Or is Mississippi State not as good as we thought, catching LSU off guard without Stingley and just with a depleted team that that doesn't know each other all that well just yet. And here comes the air raid for the first time and caught them off guard. Who's good and who's not? Still looks like Clemson's pretty good, although that wasn't a just dominant performance at the end of the day. It was a kind of a slow start for them against UVA. Alabama, I already mentioned they look good. Georgia looked good today. They looked good last night beating Auburn, so they look better to me right now. They play Tennessee. That's two undefeated teams next week. Is Tennessee good? I don't know. They haven't played anybody. They played South Carolina. They're not very good, and they played Missouri. They're not very good. Pac-12 hadn't started. Big Ten hadn't started. UCF lost to Tulsa. So what does all this mean? It just means, let's just sit back and watch. The rankings are going to change an awful lot. I still have no idea how those that are going to make the decisions in the Final Four make those decisions when you have almost no common ground in which to facilitate the process. Big Ten is the Big Ten good, or are they beating up on bad teams? Meaning, is Ohio State undefeated, playing less games than Clemson did, for example, or less games than an SEC champion did? And is but but Ohio State just drubbed everybody on their schedule? Is that because the Big Ten's weak, or is that should that be taken more into consideration? Maybe the Big Ten's good. We don't know because there's no intra stuff here. There's no common opponents between Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson, and maybe there wouldn't have been anyway. But we don't have anything to judge conference against conference because everything is the same. That's like trying to judge an NFL and an XFL team together. There's no commonality there. There's nothing to do other than, well, I'll tell you, the NFL's better. That much we objectively know. But watching the Big Ten, how can you look at that and say that conference is better than this conference? Based on what? College football is often crazy and confusing and all about the debate about which team gets in and which team gets left out. And maybe that makes this less chaotic than it would be otherwise, because we're kind of used to this with college football. We have votes determining national champions. We have computers determining national champions. Now we've got a committee determining national champions. What does any of this mean? What does all of this mean? I can tell you it's fun to watch college football because when you tune in every day, each week, you just don't know what you're going to see next. Is Florida good? Their quarterback is. Their tight end sure looks to be. Seriously, you can ask that about anybody. It's like, yeah, they do, but but who have they played and what does it matter yet? Georgia's win might be the most impressive thing we've seen so far this year in college football because we think Auburn is good. But what did Auburn do last week? They beat Kentucky. What did Kentucky do today or last night? They lost to Ole Miss. So it's just trying to determine where teams fall on the top 25 and all this kind of stuff with half of them not playing yet, no commonality in opponents. I'm just telling you, don't count anything out. I wouldn't be surprised if there are no undefeated teams this year. I wouldn't be surprised if there are a ton of them. Nothing is normal. Baseball had a lot of fun this past week with the 16 teams and the quick games. Well, I would say that, but the Braves, I think, are still playing that extra inning game with the Reds. Which never looked like it was going to end, but just these quick series and there's games all over the place and it felt like a tournament but more of like a March Madness-style tournament. It's one of the best things that's happened to baseball in a long time. Kind of makes us hope that it doesn't go away. But that's not the baseball that, that people know. Maybe they stumbled into something good here because of all this. But college football, as a whole, is usually a lot more unpredictable just in terms of these are younger guys that are more prone to make mistakes or just not be on their game, and crazy things happen. I mean, look at the end of that TCU-Texas game where you had the penalty on the safety, and whether was there going to be an untimed down? Were they going to accept the thing? All sorts of craziness. Look at the Kentucky player, Rose, celebrating from the 12-yard line, throwing up deuces with his right hand, getting tackled, and then two plays later, fumbling, trying to get into the end zone, scoring no points, and then Kentucky ends up in overtime against Ole Miss and loses by a point. Sports is nutty, man. That's why we watch. I've talked about this before. One of the reasons we watch sports is to be surprised. One of the reasons that we're drawn to this is because it's the world's greatest reality show, that moment where Butler almost beats Duke in a national championship game if Hayward's shot doesn't fall off the rim from half court or so. But we have those moments. We have Lillard draining the shot to win a playoff game. Or we have Leitner in 92 against Kentucky. Or we have Chris Weber calling a timeout for Michigan against North Carolina. Or we have 28-3 to Falcons fans. Or we have whatever the hell that was last week against the Bears or the week before against the Cowboys. The greatness of sports is measured in the fact that It can be so unpredictable. How does Arkansas, who hasn't won an SEC game in its last 20 tries, beat a team that last week possessed the ability to defeat the defending national champion and dwarf the all time single game SEC passing record? How does this happen? only in sports there's a reason why there's an entire network that you're listening to right now whatever radio station you're listening to me on that there's a station that exists to talk about sports there's a reason why there's a Fox Sports Radio conglomerate all across the country and on satellite and available via apps and a website and all this kind of stuff it's because there's a market for it if everything were predictable there wouldn't be nearly the market for this. Sometimes the predictability backs up the worldview a little bit of, okay, are the Chiefs good? Yeah, they're good. They're very, 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 very good. Oh, OU loses. Last week, that becomes an interesting storyline. This week, you're like, wait a second, what is this? But that's what keeps us coming back, is every time we tune in, we know that there is a chance of something historic happening. Very few times in history do people that make history know at the moment that they make it that they've made history. I talked about that last week. Our modern-day superheroes, being sports stars, they do know it. Last week when K.J. Costello threw for 623 yards, he was pretty sure in the moment he was having quite a day. And by the end of that day, he knew he had made history. He didn't have to wait 200 years for his art to be appreciated. But when you look at that college football schedule from yesterday and you look at the weeks that are still to come, expect the unexpected more than ever before. 10 games in the SEC with no off week or or with one off week, but no off game week, like playing a cupcake. No out of conference, just a meat grinder, man. When the Big Ten starts, same deal. How is it going to play out? Is Alabama going to go undefeated? I mean, they might, but that's going to be as impressive as anything we've ever seen if they do it. I have my doubts. I don't think they will. That's why we watch. That's why I love college football so much is because so much crazy, nutty stuff happens throughout the course of that day, and there's so many games going on. My wife asked me last week, she goes, why is there not a red zone for college? That would be great. Amen. If I didn't already know, I knew I married the best woman in the world when she said that. If there was college red zone, we would get nothing accomplished on Saturday. I tend to think the reason there's not college red zone is because a whole lot of individuals in this country have some kind of stock in landscaping services in terms of being able to go out and buy lawnmowers and things like that because if there was a college version of red zone where everything could be run you know, no lawns would get cut no children would be playing in the yards all those travel sports would shut down on Saturdays because none of us would be able to leave red zones the most addictive thing in the world I'm already excited about it right now I want my fix I know I might be not getting all the games that I'm used to getting on Red Zone because a couple of them aren't going to be played today as expected, but I'm going to sit there. I'm going to set my alarm once I get home for 11 a.m. or 12, I guess. And when those kicks start, boom. I'm good until about 7 o'clock. But that's why we watch. And college football is just a cavalcade of chaos and calamity and ridiculousness of all varieties all day long on like 17 different networks on Saturday afternoons. But I would tell you, just as I'm saying, don't go to Twitter and talk about how the Titans did a bunch of stuff wrong when you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Don't proclaim anybody dead and don't proclaim anybody some kind of, oh, nobody can beat them. In college football this year, anything can happen. And anything will happen. Just keep that in mind. Be smarter than the average bear by just kind of sitting back and watching and enjoying this and commenting on it as it happens if you want, but don't draw sweeping conclusions based on anything. Because you end up talking about how Mississippi State's going to drub Arkansas because of what they did last week, and then Arkansas beats them. What's the next shoe to drop? Because there will be one, if not 20. There's going to be pairs of shoes dropping in college football year, and that's going to be a lot of fun. When we come back, something that does seem predictable, the NBA Finals. Disaster for the league just because there's no reason to watch Game 3 and 4, right? I know. I just talked about sports being unpredictable. That's why we tune in. If you're not a Lakers fan or a LeBron fan, I have no idea why you're even bothering at this point. We'll go into that a little bit more when we come back. I'm at Radio on Twitter. This is Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
2: Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip.
3: Did you know right now Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies? I know you're hearing yourself, you're like, oh, well, they always save you 15%. No, I mean 15 more percent. It's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. I'm letting that breathe for just a second, just so you can pay attention to it. 15% plus 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. That date is rapidly approaching, so do it now. Visit geico.com to learn more. Appreciate all the kind words tonight at Radio on Twitter. You can have your say, kind or otherwise, there. I certainly would appreciate the kindness. So the NBA Finals is 2-0 and it's over, right? I don't know who it was that used this analogy. I'm certainly not going to take credit for it, but boy, I wish I could. Because as soon as I saw it, it was dead right. Miami's a good little team, but it does feel like the squad in the NCAA tournament that gets a first round upset and then somehow wins in a round of 32 and then makes a sweet 16 and then gets absolutely humiliated in the second week of the tournament when the magic runs out. Like, yeah, we've seen Butler, and we've seen George Mason, and we've seen VCU. We've seen some of this stuff happen before, but usually it doesn't. Northern Iowa or something like that. So Miami looked dominant, looked really good, looked dangerous in the East, and then they show up, and then within three quarters against the Lakers in game one, you're like, oh, okay, all right, we've we've, uh, reached the adult table now, and this is a wrap. NBA ratings are down. I don't even want to get into it. There's legit cause, and there's there's reasons you can talk about. There's a lot of different reasons. I think football being here is still probably the biggest concern because even with football not being played, I think people are more interested to listen to other people talk about football that's going to be played days later than they are to watch the NBA right now. I do think the interest level right now is just... Off the charts down. And to throw aside that that's some kind of a problem or to say, well, the NHL ratings are down as well, that's really not very smart. Ethan Strauss, who was with ESPN for a while, he's with The Athletic, he just wrote The Victory Machine, the... uh, book about the Warriors' dynasty. He's a great NBA writer, a great NBA mind, and he's a lot more like free-thinking than many of the others. Like, I'm just going to go to his Twitter account right now because I saw this, and the reason I wanted to mention him specifically is because Kevin Draper of the New York Times tried to intimate that the reason people are talking about the NBA ratings being down is somehow race-based, I guess. But Strauss responds, and Strauss is an NBA fan and lover. It's what he talks about and loves for a living, writes about for a living. He says, I mean, the NBA's context is worse. They have Lakers-LeBron playing in the least-watched finals game ever. NHL has two Sunbelt teams playing after Bruins Blues last year. At what point can we admit it's been a rough two years for the league? Then Then another Writer here, this one's CBS, says, At what point can we admit no specific causality has been proven and there are upwards of 600 more interesting things to care about than ratings? Ethan Strauss responds, In what universe is the NBA hopefully temporarily losing half its audience? Not a big story. If it happened to the NFL, it'd be the biggest news in sports and deservedly so. He does mention, and I agree. The NBA does benefit a lot from the pageantry that surrounds it and the home courts and all of that stuff. This same person from CBS says the universe where playoff games are being played in September during a pandemic and ratings for everything are way down. And that's not what I said. Anyway, he's replying to, or she, I'm not sure. is responding to Strauss and then Strauss says viewership's not down for everything though. Champions league did great. NFL has been mixed. Golf was doing great until it went up against an NFL Sunday. And then he says I, and then he gets away from it because he says, Darn, I'm doing it again. I can't stay away from this topic. I like the free thinking there. So it's, it's you don't have to go to the social justice reasoning for it to say that the ratings are down. The ratings are down. Not as many people are watching this. I don't think that people bought into the heat really having much of a chance. And if they tuned in early, they probably weren't there late because that game wasn't close. Meaning game one. Then you have Goran Dragic and Bam, doubtful to play in the second game. You know that ahead of time, so why are you tuning in for that? I'm not going to the messaging and all that stuff. I mean, I'm not saying there's not validity to it. It's I just don't feel like it. But to act like this isn't an issue and it doesn't have Adam Silver very concerned and other people in the league office concerned is nonsense. But this could have been anticipated. This is a reason why basketball schedule ends when it ends in a traditional year. Nobody wants to go up against the NFL. I know this is probably not the rationale, but I'm thinking to myself, yeah, even the presidential debate doesn't want to go up against Chiefs or Ravens on Monday night. They're going to wait until Tuesday. NFL's king. It's king. Yeah, you can talk about the numbers being down here and there. They're up here. They're down some other places. It depends on the game, the matchup, the network, everything. There's a lot of reasons here. But when you've got football going on, the NBA just doesn't seem very important. When the NBA is going with the NHL, then the NBA is going to win. And you can add the circumstances of some people, I don't know how many, but some people tuning out the messaging or not wanting to see it or just wanting to watch basketball and not feeling like they can because of the back of the jerseys or whatever else. But more than anything, I think the bubble was hard to get into, even though the basketball was very good. And like a lot of other things when it came back, people just kind of didn't notice. One thing that's happened in 2020 that I don't think has been talked about enough Even though I completely, vehemently disagreed with the Washington Post talking about how sports was proving itself to be irrelevant when it was shut down, the world without sports article, I do think there is truth to the fact that when everything shut down in March and stayed shut down for a couple of months, people got out of a routine. I mentioned the Titans' long snapper, Bo Brinkley, earlier in the program. He was one of the initial three players that tested positive for COVID-19. And while he's not some kind of a superstar player that you hear about, we never hear about him here. The reason why is because he doesn't screw up, and that job is a skill. And that became a major problem because Steven Goskowski, who missed you know, four field goals and an extra point, but then went six of six and had two game winners, was named AFC Special Teams Player of the Month, and it's all about routine. And I I don't even need to go to Laces Out, Ray Finkel, Ace Ventura to make this point. If something's off in your routine, it's going to throw off everything if that's become habitual for you. Here's a really just high-end, weird example from me. I'm a major, I'll just call myself a coffee snob at this point. I spent a lot of money on beans and uh, go through a lot of procedures to try and learn stuff. I've gone to courses, all sorts of stuff. It's just, it's a passion of mine. It's a hobby, but it's a passion of mine. Well, the filters that I like for my pour over device have been on back order across the nation because people found out that they could be used for masks. So I ran out of my filters. And I went to the website of the actual company because no one locally had them. None of the coffee shops, they were all out. They were telling me they were back ordered. I couldn't find these things. And for the last two weeks, after I was able to place an order through the company, they still haven't arrived. Folks, my pour-over routine is one of the things that sort of balances me in the mornings. It's one of the things that just makes me feel like the day is right. Now that I'm doing morning radio five days a week, I I sometimes don't, or I pretty much don't get to that pour over routine until afterwards when I come home, but it's still right there. That five minutes standing there with that kettle, moving the water around, the aroma and all of it, it's become kind of a ritual. It gives me time to just kind of think and sometimes listen. And enjoy the silence. Not having those filters, I haven't been able to do it. Yesterday, I got an email that said, Hey, FedEx is sending the filters. They're going to be here today. You have no idea how excited I am. Thrilled. Now, this sounds nuts to you as you're listening to me, but it's just part of my routine. You have yours. There are some things that if you weren't able to do them every day, it would feel weird. Now, if I didn't have these filters for two months... How would I feel if they showed up? I think I'd still care, just because this has become such a, a passion for me. But I will have learned, out of force, really, to live without it. So maybe it wouldn't feel quite the same. Two weeks, I'm still in my habit mode. So take that example, and then go back to sports. NBA shuts down midseason baseball season doesn't start, XFL shuts down, everything shuts down. And what happened? You were by force pushed to accept a new reality wherein sports was not part of it. If you remember the numbers for the retro stuff they were showing, they were not very good. What's the thing that's going to be the most memorable from the pandemic that happened in sports, meaning before all the seasons came back and stuff. What, what are you going to remember from the summer? Are you going to remember sports? No. You're going to remember a documentary about the Chicago Bulls called The Last Dance. That's what you're going to remember. But we grew accustomed to a world without sports. And then when it came back, there were a lot of people out there that didn't know the NBA came back. And they would find out weeks in, oh, really? I didn't even know it had come back. Because their favorite channels used to include ESPN, and then now they were either watching news or they were streaming Bleep's Creek on Netflix or they're watching Succession on HBO or all these other things that are competing for your attention. Sports kind of just moved out of that long enough For you to get used to it not being there. You remember how much you wanted it, but other than football, how much of it did you feel like you absolutely could not live without? I think if you take that idea that I just laid out for you and then apply, yes, some people being turned off by BLM on the court and all of that stuff, and you apply the weirdness of the year, it being a presidential election... And here's LeBron again in the finals against a team that probably shouldn't be there in terms of most people's mindsets going into the playoffs. So, why are you watching all this? I think that's the biggest reason. People never had a chance to care again about basketball. And then, when they did tune in, they heard fake crowds and saw video game fans on a giant board. And it just didn't work for a lot of them. I worked in pro wrestling for 10 years, folks. I've watched it since I was a child with my grandfather in Virginia. I've worked for multiple organizations. I've written about it for decades. I can't watch this stuff without fans. And now, I'm like, oh, this match was great, right? This three-way ladder match last week with AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy and Sami Zayn in Clash of Champions. Great match. Heard about it from a number of different people. Still haven't watched it because I just don't care. I've gotten used to it not being a part of my life. I think that is the biggest reason for what's happened to the NBA. I think there are reasons and there's pieces of the pie of blame, but one of them is we just got used to basketball not being here. And now they've shown up like my coffee filters are today, but it took them so long to get back that we just kind of moved on. And maybe we'll come back and maybe we won't. But but sports has been damaged more than we thought because everybody didn't rush back to everything. Let's go to Brian Finley. Let's find out the latest. Uh, do we still have a Saints-Lions game at present, B?
6: So at this point, there has been no indication that we will not. However, we still have several hours that we will be watching ever so intently on social media to see if that changes and part of the reason this could change because according to multiple outlets saints fullback michael burton found out he tested positive for coronavirus saturday night after he flew with new orleans to detroit for their scheduled game on sunday fox's jay glazer learning burton and other new orleans players will have their results rechecked and a collection of saints who recently made close contact with burton are undergoing added point-of-care testing at the team hotel. NFL Network claims the league is vowing to play the Chiefs-Patriots game on Monday or Tuesday as long as no other positive COVID-19 results emerge from the team's tests later today. New England quarterback Cam Newton and a Kansas City practice squad quarterback already tested positive for COVID-19 on Saturday. As far as today's games... Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins will decide his playing status based on how his ankle feels in pregame warm-ups. Browns running back Kareem Hunt is set to play through a groin injury. Seahawks ball carrier Chris Carson is not letting an MCL sprain stop him from playing, although fellow running back Carlos Hyde is a no-go. Upsets littering college football on Saturday. Iowa State stumping 18th-ranked Oklahoma 37-30. The Sooners rack up their first two-game losing streak in the regular season since 1999. Arkansas emasculates 16th-ranked Mississippi State 21-14. State quarterback K.J. Costello vomiting up three interceptions. Number 11 Central Florida crumbles at home to Tulsa 34-26. Fourth ranked Georgia lapping up number seven Auburn 27 to 6. And Jason, just when we thought maybe Texas was back, then TCU showed themselves as they win against the Longhorns 33 to 31.
3: Back to you. Yeah, they sure <laughs> did. And Texas had a chance to take the lead again and fumbled on the goal line. And then the Horn Frogs. Hung on for that victory. College football's nuts. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Jason Martin Show. I am J Mart on Twitter at JmartRadio. Radio. Routine's important. What I was saying about the long snapper with the Titans is just if you're a kicker or a punter, and that's the guy that you trust to do that job imagine how that would throw you off mentally and how little does your mental focus have to just waver a degree or two and then that field goal misses or catching the punt goes a ride and it goes through the end it who knows routine is crucial in a lot of these different situations including your viewing habits and i do think a lot of people that were not die hard nba fans but were hey i'm tuning in it's nba wednesday night on espn or it's thursday on tnt i'll tune in see what's going on those folks when it wasn't on they just went to something else and then when it came back it was just like hmm either they didn't know or when they found out it just wasn't all that relevant cuz they they maybe they maybe the other thing is Maybe this whole bubble thing just doesn't feel like a real championship. As, as normal as they've tried to make it, it's so unique and different. And I know there are people that will argue it's even harder to win it. Does it matter? Does it feel the same? Or does it feel like an asterisk tournament happening right in front of our eyes? It maybe shouldn't, but the circumstances being so different, it just it's like you're not even watching the same thing you're used to. Even though the basketball, largely, even though the finals haven't been a good example of it, has been great. A lot of these games have been really good. So I don't know what the NBA fix is going to be. The crucial thing is what happens next year. Do the ratings come back? Do the numbers grow back when the season begins again? Or is this a larger problem and a Not just a COVID-19 problem, but maybe one that was caused by the pandemic and the absence of basketball as a sport that gave us a chance to just do other stuff and figure out that life was still all right without the NBA. That's the unintended consequences of sports having to lock down when it did and staying away for as long as it did. Remember the third hour, we'll do our predictions for the NFL. It's always fun, and we'll find out how we did last week. I don't think my numbers were quite as good last week, but I don't think that they were terrible either. do want to talk about Doc Rivers to Philadelphia. And, in fact, we'll take a break, and we'll do that in five minutes on Fox Sports Radio.
0: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
3: How about a little Shadow of the Season from the Screaming Trees? You got it. I love this album. This is one that probably would have gonged, would have gonged a lot of people, but not me. Sweet Oblivion. Big fan of this record. Mark Lonigan and the guys. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. We still got another hour. We'll find out how we did in our NFL pick em. And then we'll do it again like we do every week. And maybe one of the things is, hey, is Lion Saints going to be played? Because that's the news. And we still haven't heard anything different but fullback Michael Foles, uh, Michael Burton positive COVID-19 test results after a flight to Detroit with that team. So there is point of care tracing going on at the hotel. Uh, they want to rule out a false positive for Burton if they don't rule it out and it turns out to be a legit positive, that might be enough to put a kibosh on the game. It might be. Cam Newton, positive test, but no new positives for the Pats on Saturday. That's good news, but it doesn't mean you're out of the woods. Trust me, I'm in Nashville. I've seen how this has gone all week long with the Titans. And now there's talk of now there needs to be a hard bubble and maybe a 12-game schedule and all sorts of reconfiguring going on. I would say slow your roll there. Talked a lot about the NBA this hour and just what explains the ratings without trying to go down the the political way, just just looking at it from a, a function of when it disappeared and when it came back. The Sixers have a new coach in Doc Rivers. Simmons is still there, at least for now. Joel Embiid is your superstar there. Those two together should be good, and Tobias Harris and Al Horford. and They've got some guys that you like, but it still feels like they have a roster problem because they have a superstar problem at the top. Is Doc Rivers the guy to address that? Well, Doc Rivers deserves a job. He's a great head coach. He leaves the Clips, and he goes to the 76ers and that's about as good a move as you can make, but I will ask you this question it's about uh, about the Sixers. Do you really feel like that the Sixers' failings were a function of poor coaching from Brett Brown? Because I don't. I felt sorry for Brett Brown this year when you knew their season was coming to an end just because I don't know what he could have done. I mean, they, they're they constantly dealing with injuries and trying to manage Embiid's health and Simmons going down and just sort of weirdness that surrounds that roster and the way that team has been built. Last year, remember, it was just like, oh, it's not his fault. They're going to bring him back. Did this year all of a sudden it become his fault? Doesn't mean Rivers can't be better. Doesn't mean Rivers isn't better. It just means that I don't think that it was a coaching problem necessarily with the Sixers, but maybe you just needed the culture to, to, to switch up and Brett Brown can land somewhere else. Rivers is a nice get, no question. And that ought to be fun. And I want to see what he can do with those guys. But I still think there needs to be some turnover and some changeover in that roster. And I I still don't sense that Ben Simmons will be there for too much longer. If you're going to build around one of those guys, I mean, Simmons still needs to work on his shot badly. Embiid has the health issues, but Embiid's the one that I'm betting on because he at least seems to care. He seemed to care more this year than last year about them being great. And watching him at his best he he can be among the best players in the league because of what he can do on all sides problem is the energy and the health and whether his body is going to allow it and whether or not he's going to be engaged for an entire season but a good move by the sixers we'll talk nfl chiefs how good are they and why the nfl doesn't have the nba playoff problem that's next Third hour of the program, coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios, brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Welcome or welcome back, depending on your circumstance. I'm Jason Martin. This happens to be my show. When you walk in the room, you'll see my name on the door. I'm humbled by that truth. I'm on Twitter at Jmart Radio. A lot of interaction from some of you on Twitter tonight. That's been fun. Appreciate it. Continue. Let it ride. Let it keep coming. So we spent a good bit of the last hour talking about the NBA and just the ratings trouble and the difficulties that the league faces going forward. Now let me talk about the NFL. And coming up next segment, this will probably be a little bit of a shorter segment just to make sure we have enough time to get a nice detailed look at everything that will happen on Sunday. Maybe not quite as short as usual just because there's going to be a few less games, but The difference between the NFL and the NBA, I think, really becomes clear when you look at Monday night, game of the year, Chiefs-Ravens. Folks, the Ravens were not in the Chiefs class in that game. The last two losses for Lamar Jackson, he struggled. After this game, the last two losses were the Titans in the playoffs and the Chiefs on Monday. After the Chiefs game, he said, man, the Chiefs did pretty much what the Titans did to us. That's dangerous if it's true. But I'll tell you what happened in both circumstances. The Ravens kind of panicked a bit and got away from their offense. They're not a team that seems built to come back, are they? because of what they have to do, but they abandon a lot of the concepts that got them there when they fell behind on Monday against the Chiefs the same way they did against the Titans last year in the playoffs. Doesn't mean they're not a great team. Doesn't mean they're not a top-five team in the league. It does mean there's a difference between them and the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't have a great defense, but they have a disruptive defense that can make a handful of big-time plays with Clark and Jones... And Matthew and those guys, they are capable of making a big-time defensive stop when they have to or causing a turnover. Consistently, they're not the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they're very capable. And you marry that to this offense, which I don't know who the best quarterback you think of all time is or who the most talented person to play the game is. But I have a feeling Patrick Mahomes is going to have most of our opinions going his direction by the time he stops playing. I've never seen anybody play the sport the way he does. Never. Never in my life. And people are now going to have to start building teams to beat Kansas City the same way NBA teams started trying to build teams to compete with Golden State. And just like Steph Curry, where, okay, well, you guard me at the three-point line. I'll step five feet behind it and do it. Patrick Mahomes is throwing no-look passes and underhand shovel passes to fullbacks and to offensive linemen for touchdowns and just making every throw, going out of bounds, throwing frozen ropes. You marry that to Andy Reid's offensive system, and you have this juggernaut. So, you look at them, you're like, well, they're going undefeated. First off, probably not. They'll probably go like 13 and 3, 14 and 2, assuming they play 16 games, which is now very much up in the air. But they looked like by far the best team in football on Monday. With due respect to the Seahawks or the Packers or anybody else you want to put in that class, I feel like the Chiefs are above them. So why am I saying this is different in the NFL than it is the NBA? It's real simple. As good as Kansas City looked, and and they didn't even play their best game that night. At their best, you can't beat them, right? Wrong. At their best, you're probably not going to beat them four out of seven times. But all it takes is one day for them to be a little bit off or you to play out of your mind, and you beat them. And if that happens in the playoffs, they go home. And that, folks, is the difference. It's that that creates the illusion of parity but creates this unpredictable feeling where, well, I have to tune in because all it takes is one performance. Is it more likely that the Chiefs will win? Yes. But can somebody get them? Yes. We were talking out there, and the crew had examples. Chris mentioned Patriots going undefeated that year and then losing in the Super Bowl to the Giants on the Tyree catch and the Plaxico touchdown. It's happened many times. That Minnesota Vikings club years ago, years ago near to the turn of the century, that had Culpepper and Randy Moss that were just supposed to blitzkrieg the Giants and Kerry Collins, didn't just lose. They got embarrassed by that Giants team who then went and got emasculated and castrated by the Ravens in that Super Bowl. One and done creates so much uncertainty. And that's why the NFL playoffs, which also are more exclusive because nowhere near as many teams get in, although they've expanded it one more spot, it feels like it matters because it's hard, one, to get there, and then, two, it's you better show up with your best every time because if you get beat once, then that's it. It's over. But four out of seven times, how many teams are capable of beating LeBron James and Anthony Davis Four out of seven times. How many teams are capable of beating Steph and Clay and Kevin Durant and Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala and Steve Kerr on the sidelines? Four out of seven times. These lengthy playoffs. And this was a point that was being made out in L.A. when we were talking off air. The playoffs are long. They're too long. And the number of games makes upsets far less likely. And if they're far less likely, then why do I tune in? Miami Heat are down 2-0, okay? We've seen the Nuggets come back twice during this postseason down 3-1, but they couldn't do it against L.A. Miami is down 2-0. That means they have to win four of the next five against LeBron James and Anthony Davis to capture the NBA championship. Do you, whoever you are, wherever you are, believe that's going to happen? You may be a sports diehard because you're listening to Sports Talk Radio, and for that we appreciate you. But if you're not a sports diehard, and maybe even if you are, what is your rationale and your driving force And your motivation to feel the need to watch any of the next two, three, or maybe even four games. Now, if it gets to 3-3, everybody's watching game seven. But if it's 2-0 and it goes to 3-0, who's watching at that point? Compared to, even if it's the one seed against the wild card weekend winner. And it's as dominant a team as we've ever seen and the chances of that team actually getting beaten are low, it's one game. Tim Tebow can show up and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers once. I know. We watched it happen. But if that Broncos team had to beat the Steelers four out of seven, would it happen? The answer is no. Same thing with college football. College football, one and done. Get into the college football playoff, juggernaut all season long, undefeated. 13-0. Show up in the college football playoff, be a little bit off, headed home. How good was that Georgia-Oklahoma game a handful of years ago with Mayfield that was out in California? That Rose, I think it was the Rose Bowls where it took place. Just a tremendous football game. One of those teams went home after one game. That, to me, is the biggest reason football just doesn't have all that much to worry about. Because the playoffs are always going to be must-see. Are the NBA playoffs must-see for a casual or moderate sports watcher? I don't think so. Why are golf majors so fascinating? Because golf's really hard and it doesn't take much for somebody at the top of the leaderboard to tank. And there's So many ways that it can go. In the NBA, at the beginning of the season, what did people think? Lakers or or Clippers? After the Lakers and Clippers met, we didn't even get that ladder because the Clippers lost. But at 2-0, what's the point in watching the next five games? Knowing that Miami has to win 80% of the remaining games to win the NBA championship. What's the fix? Because I don't think you're going to limit the number of playoff games. But if you want to create parity and create unpredictability and create a must-see FOMO kind of attitude that we all search for and want in our entertainment then you do need to look at the fact that these series are too long for that FOMO to happen when you get to the highest levels. Maybe you just want the best teams playing at the end. I can understand that. But is the NCAA tournament better because of the finals or because of the first weekend? I argue that it's bad for upsets because then when you get to the Final Four, you're not as excited to watch it. Because you don't have the blue bloods. You, you think you want upsets. What you really want is Duke to almost lose but get through. Because then you can hate Duke in the Final Four. So there's a lot of things to look at. But best four out of seven, I think that might be the biggest problem for the NBA. Because it makes it so much more difficult for an underdog to actually enter the mindset of the fans... In a way where they say, that team could actually win this series. Remember when Portland went up on L.A. 1-0 and people were like, ah, maybe they're going to sweep the Lakers. Uh, No, they lost in five. Because in the NBA, most, and I mean the vast majority of the time, the best team always wins. Outside of injury. That is a problem. That is an issue. That doesn't have to do with social justice messaging or anything else. And all of that has some rationale. All of that, you can make those arguments. I think the length of the playoffs and the four out of seven scenario is the biggest reason why I don't have any interest in watching the rest of this Heat Lakers series. Because what's the point? I'm going to go catch up on a television series, I'm going to write something, I'm going to watch the NFL. I'm on Twitter at Jmart Radio. Tell me I'm wrong. I think on this one, I'm dead right. Actually, I think most things when I say something on the radio, hopefully, I'm dead right. We'll find out how right I was and how right the rest of the crew was in our NFL predictions from last week. And then we'll predict the rest of the NFL schedule for week four when we come back in five minutes on Fox Sports Radio. A little fastball. There you go. Yeah, I had to look it up. I got a laptop on that one. I like fastball, but I just didn't remember this tune. You
4: know the name of it?
3: Yes. Warm, fuzzy feeling.
4: There you go.
3: Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. Jason Martin Show. I'm Jason Martin. Let's see how that works. I'm on Twitter at Jmart Radio. All right. Since our shame or success is now out there for the entire world to see on Twitter each week when we do our NFL preview, how did we do last week, Chris?
4: All right, so once again, we've got a loggerhead. Everyone's been doing really well. Everyone's still in the black, so all the mics are on here. Uh, Myself, Eric, and Brian Fenley, we all went 10-4-1 last week. I have to cl- include the uh, – I don't know how to count the tie. Do we count that as a loss for everyone? Do we count it as a tie mm, for everyone?
3: I don't think you count it for a loss. Yeah, that's, that's why the – Maybe uh, you count it for a tie. Die. Yeah, so 10-4-1.
4: Yeah. <laughs> J-Mart, you're not far behind 9-5-1. and 1. Uh, We all – the one game we all had wrong was the Arizona-Detroit game, which, fair.
3: Yeah, it's Fair the Lions.
4: <laughs> uh, Brian Fenley was the only one to get Chicago over Atlanta, which felt a little fugazi there. But you know what? Take your win where you can. Uh, J- Jason, you had the Rams against Buffalo, the only one there.
3: I was right for a long time.
4: Yeah, you were. You were. Uh, I was the only one who had New Orleans against Green Bay. That did not go well. Fenley was the only one who took the Giants against the 49ers. Eric was the only one who took uh, the Raiders against the Patriots. So that's how it all uh, panned out. Uh, Fenley also flown t- Wolf with Dallas at Seattle. But, uh, yeah. So close.
6: So close. So very close.
3: So close yet so very, very far. Yeah.
4: We all had Cleveland. We all had Tennessee. We all had Pittsburgh. And we all had the Colts. And I think that's really about it. And, uh, yeah, me and Eric pulled out with Kansas City on the – amazing monday night football game so that's where we stand
3: who had the jets over the broncos
4: who um yeah that would be me
3: <clears throat> i'm not we're not gonna ding you i just wanted to No, that
4: that's not on our so that's on our picks because no. this isn't a thursday show but i do these picks on tally site for pride of detroit and i did have jets plus
3: one i just don't know how adam how adam gates is still employed all right <laughs> let's take a look at the games that are being played or that at least right now we think are being played this week as we move into week four. Beginning in Cincinnati, Jaguars at Bengals. Well, the Bengals coming off a tie, which for most Bengals fans always feels like a win against the Jaguars. They've come down to earth a little bit in terms of efficiency. We already know what the record is there. Not exactly a great... This is not a great weekend of of football in terms of matchups. Last week was grade a this is uh uh expired meat compared to that especially taking off the games that we're taking off the board but jacksonville at cincinnati i don't want to pick first someone else go
7: uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with joe burrow guys he's i mean i was thinking back about the first three games of his career he's not far from being three and zero. i mean i know he's running for his life he got absolutely destroyed last week i forget who hit him but he got popped oh yeah that um, was nasty but i mean they took they took the chargers to ot he had a lead i want to say very very late in the game against the browns and then he tied the the eagles last week so i mean he's very close to 3-0 um but i'm gonna go with he gets his first win against the jaguars this week
3: who's next uh
4: i'm i'm really thinking hard about this one i want to lean that way but you know i'm looking up efficiency numbers and yeah, I feel like the, the Bengals—they've been getting closer. They've been getting a, a little closer. Meanwhile, Jacksonville—they do seem to be trending in the wrong way. So I, I'm going to take the Bengals. I don't feel confident about it. I could see Jacksonville in this game, but I, you know, Cincinnati is the home favorite plus the hook. So I will take, uh, I'll take the Bengals here.
3: Joe Mixon was a late addition to the injury report this per Ian Rappaport Ooh. because of a chest issue, but is expected to play today. Uh, Injury described as very minor, so that shouldn't really affect uh, too much. All right, Finley, I'll go last. What do you got?
6: The Bengals seem to be the sexy pick here, but their offensive line is not any more powerful than setting up five soda cans and having them try (laughs) to block for Joe Burrow. I've got the Jags here, guys. I know it's not a trendy pick, but I see a bounce-back game for Jacksonville.
3: All right. Well, they beat the Colts. They lost to the Titans and then look good at all against the Dolphins. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna make it three against one. I'm gonna I, I believe a little bit more right now in Cincinnati, even though the offensive line scares me. And Jacksonville does have some defenders that can get to the quarterback, so that does worry me. But I'll take I'll take Joe Burrow uh overcoming the team that he plays for or the history of the team that he plays for and getting it done. Cleveland at Dallas. Okay. I'll go first on this one. Browns have quietly been playing better football, but Dallas is a really good team. You hear about Lyle Collins, his season's over. Just add it to the list of injury woes for the Cowboys. I'll take Dak Prescott at home. Even though I I don't hate Cleveland at all, they still continue to make headlines for saying stuff instead of doing stuff, which happened again this week. I'll take the Cowboys.
4: I've been racking my brain on this one a little bit because I look at Dallas's schedule so far and what it's all been close games. The one win they've had it was against the Falcons. We've seen what the Falcons have been doing nonstop since that time. Meanwhile, for the Browns, I mean, they they got beat around by the Ravens and then they've beaten the Bengals and the Washington football team. Not not great resumes to go off either way. I'm just seeing what I've got here, uh, Eric. Why, why don't you go while I look this up? I have, well, I mean, think about about well, let me no, say I, this I about the Cowboys: yeah.
3: their two losses are against the Rams, a pretty good football team, and the Seahawks, a very good football team. Yeah, we're just and doing they were quality. close in both those games.
4: We're, we, we've we've gone into the college football sphere of only right. losses yes. now. So, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll take Dallas here. I'll, I'll take Dallas as well.
7: Yeah, I'm gonna go Dallas as well. Jason just pointed out. I mean, they, even the Rams game when they lost; it was a very, it was a questionable call at the end, kind of flipped things. Um, they benefited from the the Falcons collapse, and then they lost to a very good Seahawks team, which they were also in the game until the very end of the game. So I'm gonna go with Cowboys over the the Browns.
6: I got Cowboys too. I think the only successful thing Baker Mayfield's going to do in that Dallas stadium is film another commercial in a stadium.
7: <laughs>
3: it feels he he like is all Finley's over TV, like- right? Yeah, he is. Like, my wife's like, is that Baker Mayfield again? It's like, yeah, it is. It's another progressive ad or it's a Hulu ad or whatever. I think Finley has, like, bullet points of, like, one-liners for each game. I look forward to his just because he's going to say something uh, borderline mean about the team that he's going to pick against. Saints at Lions. Is it going to happen? That's the first prediction.
4: uh, Oh, man. Um, I... I Listen, you you get on a plane. That's a that's a, a petri dish scenario. Yep. Like that's what worries me the most about this. And you look for who he sat. You know, technically, from what I was reading, he was sitting. You know, Alvin Kamara being one of the guys being retested. Yep. I I'm leaning almost. I would say 51% towards no, 51%. But uh, I, I'll still pick the game. I will still, and with six starters out, I. I already took New Orleans in my tally site, but I feel like I'm starting to lean Detroit. I don't know if I can go the full way there. Oh, uh, man. I, I'll, I'll take New Orleans, and I'm not going to feel good about it.
3: That was painful for you, I could tell.
7: Right. Eric? I'm going to go with the game does happen, guys, and it does happen, and it ends in a Detroit Lions win.
6: Yeah. Finley? I'm going with New Orleans. That's if they play, and i You know what? I have a funny thing for the next matchup, so I'll hold on and wait for that. (laughs) That's a tease. Yes.
3: i look forward to that. A little bit of a letdown not to have one here. Lions cornerback Desmond Trufant expected to play today. Saints, no Michael Thomas. Trufant has not played since the opener for the Lions. I'll take the Saints as well. I've seen all week what's happened being here at the epicenter of COVID in the NFL in Nashville. I really believe this game doesn't happen. I think this game gets postponed. The only way it doesn't is is if it's a false positive and there's nothing wrong. If he's positive, I don't think they play. Not after having traveled there. I just think they're going to look at that and say, that's just a disaster waiting to happen. Let's wait a day or two. Maybe they try to get both the New England, Kansas City and that game in on Tuesday. We don't know for sure, but I'm going to say the game does not get played. If it does get played, I will take New Orleans. Seattle at Miami. I'll take the Seahawks. I'll make that one easy.
4: Yes, yeah, easy easy for that one for me as well. I'll take the Seahawks.
7: Yeah, I'm gonna go Seahawks too. But I'm gonna say I think it'll be a little closer than most people are, are gonna give them credit for. The Dolphins they have played really hard. I, I've surprisingly watched a good amount of Dolphins football. I mean probably because the Bills played them early and they had a Thursday night game, but they, they get after it, man. They're the efforts there, and they just they just can't pull out the win, you no. Know? But um, I'm gonna go Seahawks over Dolphins in a closer game than most would expect.
6: Dolphins are the most overrated team that shouldn't even be overrated and few even consider them overrated, but they are not really that good at all and they don't deserve any credit here. I'm going Seahawks, and it is going to be a true bloodbath, Jason, an absolute uh, bloodbath.
3: Hopefully it'll be season one true blood, not season <laughs> yes. five. Los Angeles Chargers at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Interesting matchup, a rookie quarterback. Against maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. Tampa Bay's offense coming around a little bit. The Chargers are pesky, but they lost Melvin Ingram. They don't have Derwin James. I just feel like this is a kind of game where Tom Brady can pick apart a defense that's reeling a little bit, missing some key contributors, and you got a rookie quarterback. I just my instinct tells me the Bucks beat the Chargers. Chargers having to come west to east as well.
4: Yeah, that that west to east always is a killer, and Justin Herbert, you know, I, I too early to throw him into the fire right now. I've got the Buccaneers, but I do ha, I do like on the Vegas side of this. I I kind of like Chargers a little. I like this game a little closer. I think Tampa Bay. We're still learning some of their weaknesses, but I don't think the Chargers are going to be the one to pull out those weaknesses just yet.
7: Yeah, I th- I'm going to go Tampa Bay over the Chargers here. Um, I. Uh, the defense i think is going to give herbert some problems tomorrow and it's a big west to east trip like we said earlier and and tom i think is finding a little bit of a groove here but i think it's going to be a, a a defensive flex for the the buccaneers on the chargers
6: i think joshua kelly is going to run rampant although i think herbert will puke in this game and not literally of course it's going to be bucks
3: big
4: i'm a little well, there worried now we've got we've got three games where we're all taking the same side now <laughs>
3: Uh yeah, that and, and when you're on Finley's side you really have to be <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you have to be kind of cautious. You're like a Walinda at that point trying to cross the, the Grand Canyon. Baltimore at Washington, I mean, seriously, is there a hangover here is the only question. Washington does have a, a little bit of a pesky defense. I don't think they're ready for this challenge. I think this is exactly if you're Lamar Jackson, what you want is a team you should beat, and I think Baltimore will win.
4: This is one of these games where I always enjoy Vegas lines almost more than the actual game itself because Baltimore, I believe last I looked, was laying thirteen points. That's a huge spread that, for the NFL. That's huge. Mm-hmm. It's becoming a little more common in the NFL. It's definitely still not, you know, we're not still not talking college football lines these days. But yeah, that's it's Baltimore.
7: Yeah, we're gonna, I'm gonna go Lamar Jackson with the rebound game here, guys.
6: You know, just to mix it up a little bit, I think that Lamar Jackson is a guy that gets rattled mentally, especially after a down game. See that this could be a chance for the Washington football team to capitalize, and they can eat him alive in the backfield with that defensive line. I'm going Washington here, going wild, guys, with an upset.
3: I don't know if he's rattled after a loss, but he's rattled when things don't go well early in games, and his offense... Just seems like they abandon what they do. That's what we saw against Kansas City. Arizona at Carolina. Looks like DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to play. I'll go last on this one. Chris, who you got?
4: Uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the uh the Cardinals. Listen, they there's no way about it. Kyler Murray gave away three turnovers against the Lions. That's a big reason why the Lions won last week. That's also a big reason why the the Cardinals lost on the flip side of that. Kyler Murray, he's young. He's going to have those kind of games, but he when he's got a weapon like Hopkins over there, it's really hard to stop that offense, and Carolina's still feeling themselves. I've got the Cardinals.
7: Yeah, I'm going Eric. Kyler Murray, too, guys. I, I think it's going to be another rebound performance. Um, he's The dude's fast, man. I fell down a little Kyler Murray rabbit hole the other day, and I, it's, the way he's making some of these defenders miss, and it's I know he's small, so he's a little shifty guy, but... He has another gear that when he kicks it in, it's 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 fun to watch.
6: The Panthers are the fastest improving team in the NFL after that win last weekend, and Kyler Murray was exposed last weekend. So I'm going Carolina here.
3: I just think there's going to be games where Murray has a lot of turnovers. And there's going to be a lot of there's going to be games when he has a lot of touchdowns. I see the latter tomorrow. I think Arizona is a better football team, and this is a team they should be able to exploit a bit and open things up offensively again, so I will take the Cardinals as well as the other guys. Not all the other guys, but most of the Minnesota at Houston. Okay, Vikings are 0-3. I still can't believe there's zero positive tests when you have 16 Titans personnel and players, and they were all there last week, and patient zero happened before they actually made the trip. Houston is just the football gods are not with Houston right now tough schedule but if they are going to get a win in their first seven games this or Jacksonville is going to be their best chance man Dalvin Cook looked awfully good and Jefferson looked like maybe they found something there I think actually Minnesota is actually going to go on the road and beat Houston I just think Houston's a dumpster fire not at the quarterback spot not that they don't have talent, but they got a bad coach and a schedule that's just beating them around. I'll take Minnesota.
4: This is the game where something's got to give. It's like the polar opposite of the unstoppable force meeting yes. the immovable object. Someone's got to lose here. Someone's got actually no, not someone's got to lose here. Someone's got to win here. Unless we just, go, I'm calling for a tie, which I'm not. I'm not crazy enough to do. We've that already had one. Yet. Let's no, not we, do we, another. We've, one. Not, we've already had one. It's it's just brutal every time we have one. I expect like someone to jump on my TV and start screaming about the evils of ties. I, I guess I've got to take Houston here. I Minnesota, I have no clue what's going on with them. It is a total collapse on every front. They have no offense what to speak of. And I just it, put put the cards on the table, throw my hands up. I just gotta trust Deshaun Watson to be the less dumpster fiery of the two dumpster fires.
7: Yeah, I'm I'm picking more Deshaun Watson than the Texans. I'm picking Deshaun Watson to beat Kirk Cousins pretty much primarily here I don't have faith in anybody besides Deshaun Watson in this game
6: you guys know how astute I was in saying the Vikings were going to win the Super Bowl I'm not ready to run away from that just yet I think they've got something I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries and you could put Chris P and I out there receiving for Houston and we might be actually playing in the game I just don't know who else they have to throw it to
3: Well, that becomes a problem, but I mean, last week, Dalvin Cook had 181 yards rushing and a rookie receiver out of LSU looks like he could be another great receiver out of that university in the NFL in Jefferson. I think they might have found their number two guy to go with Adam Thielen as a receiver going forward. That's why I feel better. I think their offense actually showed up last week and and maybe they figured out what they can do here. Giants at Rams. Giants are an awful football team. Absolutely dreadful. The Rams are not. I'll take the Rams. That's my rationale and I'm sticking to it.
4: Yeah, Rams. I'm looking for this game I've completely reco- forgot. Venley.
6: Yeah, so I'm with you. I think the Rams are going to win and Danny Dimes, you know, I don't understand why he's still a quarterback. I keep looking at Eli Manning posting selfies of him in a gym. One he just tweeted yesterday, working out in khakis again. This is becoming a habit. Close quote. Why not bring him back? It sounds like his body is great. Why not have him back a quarterback for the Giants?
3: Good Lord, has it gotten that bad? Chris, did yeah. you actually pick or did you?
4: No, no, I, I was looking for something. I'm trying to keep make sure all my – I pick for like three different sites now. It is – I'm taking Rams here. I just – it had the wrong – like, as soon as I tried to control F something, something blew up, so I had to fix my
3: It but... went, went full-on control F when you tried to control F. All right, yeah. let's go to Brian Finley and catch up on the latest, and I guess you would have probably told us if the Saints-Lions had changed.
6: Yeah, nothing has changed as of yet, and according to multiple outlets, as we were talking about, Saints fullback Michael Burton flew with his team to Detroit on Saturday and then learned he tested positive for coronavirus – This obviously puts the Saints in a bind. Now they have to retest him for a false positive, and then all of the players who were dubbed to be in close contact with him are undergoing added point-of-care testing at the team hotel. NFL Network claims the league hopes to move the Chiefs-Patriots game to Monday or Tuesday as long as no other COVID-19 positive test results emerge from the team's tests later today.
3: Doesn't that seem unlikely, though, Brian?
6: Gosh, you know, I'm trying to be optimistic. I mean, I hope so, man. But I mean,
3: I'm in the wrong city to think that that's the only guy that's got COVID. That seems nuts to me.
6: Yeah, I mean, I can see your line of thinking, especially you being in Nashville and seeing one or two every day, and it just kind of keeps coming and keeps trickling, and you're waiting for that to end.
3: Yeah, and it I still don't think it has. Yeah.
6: New England quarterbacks Cam Newton and Kansas City practice squad quarterback, those two were dubbed to be positive with COVID-19 on Saturday. As far as today's games, as Jason mentioned, Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins will decide his playing status based on how his ankle feels in pregame warm-ups, but there is a lot of optimism that he will be able to go. Browns running back Kareem Hunt is set to play through a groin injury. Seahawks ball carrier Chris Carson is going to push through despite an MCL sprain. His teammate and fellow ball carrier, Carlos Hyde, is likely a no-go with an injury. Terry McLaurin, Washington wide receiver, who was listed as questionable, seems to be a go. And one score out of college football, probably the biggest upset, and one that Oklahoma is going to be thinking about a lot, is Iowa State wins at home against the Sooners, 37-30. to 30. And just to put this into perspective... Jason, the Sooners have not lost back-to-back games in the regular season in over 20 years. I mean, just think about that. That's insane. And so now they're having to deal with that in this crazy 2020 of a year.
3: Yeah, and Iowa State had not beaten Oklahoma at home since 1960. Yeah. I think it was. So another crazy stat. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Website skyco.com. Phone number is 800 947 auto. Do it your way. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. We'll go to break now. That way, we've got more time for the remaining one, two, three, four, five games on the schedule. We'll pick them all in five minutes on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things
2: that are too good to keep a secret,
3: like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the
2: perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables.
3: Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico Fox NFL Sunday, Fox football Sunday, Brian. I know Andy Furman. Next. The crew is Eric Roberts. It's Brian Finley. It's Chris Perfett I'm just the fourth member. I'll be the Ringo to this crew. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartradio. As we continue to pick these games, there are five more to choose now that Tennessee-Pittsburgh is off, and that was a 3-0, 3-0 matchup. And this week, if you've noticed these matchups, if you've been listening to this last 20 minutes, not the greatest week for marquee matchups in the NFL after last week was such a gem. But as we move back, Indianapolis at Chicago. It's Nick Foles' show now, which I predicted would happen inside the league. Nick Foles... Seems like the consensus is he's better when he comes in off the bench as opposed to having the job to start with. So he's the quarterback. Indianapolis's quarterback is Phillip Rivers. They're banged up. They lose somebody every week. Paris Campbell, I think, is the latest to go down for them. Tough one to call here. Chicago's got a good defense. I don't know. I don't think the weather's going to be too bad there. I don't know. I I don't know how I feel about either one of these teams right now, quite frankly. So, I'm just going to go with my heart and say the Colts will beat the Bears.
4: I'm going against the Bears again. I didn't learn my lesson last week. However, Tariq Cohen is now out for the season. So, that's like the ground game done for Chicago. And to be honest, even with Foles in the driver's seat now, it just feels like a Fugazi team. Give me the Colts.
7: I'm going to go... With the bears guys i'm i I've, I've been very anti them but i i don't know what's it's like nick Foles is the opposite of ryan fitzpatrick when you know he starts the season as a as a a stud and then kind of fades off when nick Foles starts on the bench and then comes in strong at the end so i'm gonna go nick Foles. I, I did hear on straight out of vegas today that it's supposed to be pretty windy little little mm-hmm. inclement weather so i don't know i don't like philip rivers in anything outside of a dome or sunny california so mm. I then think like, this one has a tie written all over it.
6: I'm oh going with oh a God. tie.
7: Man, nothing ties wow. in football. Just the one in that column in the standings just really hurt. <laughs> just the it way just, it's happened it happened, too. Looks, it looks wrong.
4: Like 14 seconds left in overtime, and I, I know you just took the, the false start. It, it would have been like, what, 64, 67 yards, and you still punt there. I'm just, oh, man.
3: Yeah, it's bad. You're right. I agree. Buffalo at Vegas. We'll start with Eric on this one. Your Bills, man, like coming back against the Rams the way that they did. I mean, and Vegas, not a bad team either. This is actually one of the better matchups of the week.
7: I mean, the problem with the coming back was that they were so far ahead to begin True. with. So they, they put themselves kind of up against it, kind of got bailed out by a penalty late. But hey, it's going to happen. It's, it might as well happen to my team. I'm going to go with the Bills, obviously, guys. Um,. Josh Allen's playing. He, he played a little erratic last week. and a few in the first couple weeks. He his erraticness wasn't detrimental. It was like kind of calculated. What, what hasn't been there in, in previous seasons. He kind of looked like he a little matured. It kind of fell backwards in my eyes last week. So I'm gonna, but I'm gonna go with the Bills. I'm hoping John Gruden doesn't pull any QB guru stuff out on him that he's never seen. So
4: yeah, I'll take the Bills here as
6: well. I got the Bills. I think Derek Carr is gonna puke up three turnovers.
3: I'll take the Bills too. I don't think there's anything they don't do well. I think Brian Dable will be a head coach sooner rather than later. I think Josh Allen plays well enough and everything else they do just a little bit better than Vegas. I think this will be a good football game. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Philadelphia at San Francisco. San Francisco, man, just brutalized. And Philadelphia is awful. Their quarterback situation's increasingly in flux. They tied against the Cincinnati Bengals last week. I'll take the I'll take the Niners and whoever it is that fields the team for them today to beat the Eagles.
4: Yeah, I'll take the Niners too. This is rough. This is a really bad Sunday night matchup.
7: Yeah, I'm going to take the Niners as well. I don't can remember the last time I had fun watching an Eagles game, to be honest. It's just always I feel gross. It's like what else is on? It's Niners. I got Niners and this game is going to be so gross. The score is
6: going
3: to be 8 to 5. Yeah, it's going to be bad. It's going to be a baseball score. New England at Kansas City. If it happens, I'll take the Chiefs. No Cam Newton. I kind of almost hope this game gets pushed to later in the season because I have no interest in watching a backup quarterback against the Chiefs.
4: Yeah, I'm not – I don't even know who goes in for him anymore. So, yeah, give me the Chiefs. Yep, Chiefs. Chiefs it is.
3: Green Bay hosting Atlanta on Monday Night Football. That's the winless Falcons. That's the Packers. They're on fire. I don't think that changes. Yeah, this Atlanta has that incredible weaponry, but they've got banged-up receivers all over the place. Julio's questionable. Calvin Ridley's questionable. Give me the Packers easy.
4: It can't happen to them again, but that's because they won't have a lead. Yeah, they right. Give me Green Bay. <laughs> Rogers,
3: Green
6: yeah, Bay, baby.
3: Yeah, they're not going to cough up a lead because they're not going to have <laughs> one to cough up, that being the deal. Question is, will all these games take place? Saints news, maybe they'll have it for you next. Andy Furman and Brian know on many of these stations. I'm Jason Martin. See you next week.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365.